All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of Spiked. I'm your host, Robert Vona. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Brittle. Jack, what's going on today? Uh, not much. Just excited to uh, talk about this upcoming draft. Of course, obviously, the NFL draft, it's on uh, It's on everybody's mind. And uh, joining us today, we have a very special guest, one of our friends from OTL. Uh, he's a big, big football guy. He probably knows more about the draft than I ever will. Uh, our friend Jacob, how's it going, buddy? Good, Rob. How are you? Excited to be on. For sure. Definitely excited to talk some NFL today. Um, we're probably just going to be focusing on mostly the NFL draft, as obviously at the time of the recording, it is in three days and counting. So that's definitely going to be a big topic to discuss. Uh, you know, Jacob's been cracking down on a lot of the positions uh, entering this NFL draft. So it's definitely going to be interesting to talk about you know, some of the narratives walking into the draft, some of the things to expect, some things not to expect. Uh, we just got a whole bunch of whole bunch of different stuff. So, I mean, we could jump right into it if you guys want. I mean, is there any any kind of thoughts you have walking into the draft? Anything you guys are predicting or you, you expect? I mean, I'm just I'm just really curious to see where all these QBs fall. You know, it's like because th- this seems like one of the most QB loaded drafts um, in the past couple years. And it doesn't seem like anybody really has a consensus on where some of the, like the, you know, the top prospects are going to go other than Trevor Lawrence. Like everybody knows Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one, but um, you know, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, um, you know, Trey Lance has, has his stock has gone up a bunch. Um, and then a guy like Justin Fields, who was, you know, a couple months ago, kind of the consensus number two is now kind of like, I feel like his his, his stock has kind of fallen. So I'm a big QB guy, so that's what I'm interested in. But I mean, there, there, there's a bunch of stuff that could, that could uh, you know, uh, happen with this draft. So, but yeah, the QBs, that, that's what I'm really interested in. And I'm interested to hear uh, what Jacob thinks about you know, where some of the the QBs are going to go. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, This is one of the better quarterback drafts we had in the last few years. Uh, You know, going back to 2018, where there was the big, big five quarterbacks, you know, Darnold, uh, Allen, Mayfield, Lamar, and Josh Rosen. Um, Obviously, some of those guys didn't work out the way um, teams were expecting them to. Uh, This draft, for me going into it, I think the top five, Right now, it was much better than the, uh, the top five from a couple years back. Um, yeah, obviously, like you were saying, Jack, like, you know, Lawrence going number one is pretty much set in stone. Um, you know, New York, New York's really uh, narrowing it down to Zach Wilson, it seems. They've done their homework on him. Um, reports came out last night about San Francisco um, that they're narrowing it down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. So we have to see how that goes. Uh, apparently, there's a some problems going on in San Francisco that uh, half the office is split and they can't seem to come to a decision here. And um, then, then it just leaves Justin Fields and Trey Lance. If that, if those three go at the top, you know, apparently Bill Belichick's doing his research right now on Justin Fields and that'd be something really interesting to see as well. Yeah. Jack, I know you want to say, I'm sure you have a lot to yeah. say seeing as you're a Patriots fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard, you know, I don't know if the Patriots would have to, um, you know, trade up to get um, Justin Fields, because I think what do they have the uh, the 
they have the 15th pick right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Mel Kuyper's mock draft here and, um, he, he's, he's predicting that there's going to be like some kind of, you know, uh, trade between Dallas and New England. Uh, so that would mean New England moving up to the 10th pick, um, and picking Justin Fields there. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely be, <laughs> I would definitely be good with that. Um, you know, I, I watched, uh, you know, a fair bit of Justin Fields last year. Um, you know, I saw him in the, uh, the national championship and the, um, the college football semifinal and, um, you know, he looked really good. So, um, I- I'm interested though, cause like I was saying earlier, uh, a couple months ago, he was like, I remember him being like the number two guy, like, oh, this guy's going to get drafted after Trevor Lawrence. What do you think led to his kind of stock falling in the draft? I'm not sure if even it was so much of stock falling. I think it was more just others, others rising. Like, I mean, you're still getting the same kind of talent in Justin Fields. He had, a, he had an on and off year last year. Some of his games inside the Big Ten, obviously, he didn't look the greatest. Uh, one in particular was versus Northwestern. Um, obviously you guys saw what he did against Clemson, um, that Alabama team, you know, that's just, that was the team to beat last year. You know, he ran into a tough team there, but you know, Zach Wilson, there, a lot of, a lot of teams are very high on him because of how much raw talent he has. And it's almost more of the fact that there's that kind of superstition now on those types of running, uh, quarterbacks, sorry, of uh, the way Justin Fields plays about mobile quarterbacks, you know, how long they can actually last in the league doing that kind of thing. You know, you look at guys like Lamar, how, kind of one-dimensional he is uh last year he showed off his arm a little bit more but you know in his mvp season it was all about the legs and that's that's one thing that gets teams kind of kind of shying away right now from quarterbacks like that and that's why you see guys like mac jones who's got the strong arm you know he can step up into the pocket and just let it rip that's why you can see him maybe sliding into the top three this year in the draft opposed to you know justin fields who maybe had a better year if you just watching him but you know mac jones i think is what um I think his stock last year after the national championship run definitely rose up as well. Yeah. Uh, I find it really interesting too, because I believe uh, Zach Wilson last year, he played like two ranked teams in the college football season and he lost to one of them. So I thought that was something to really look at, especially playing for a team like BYU. I mean, I don't really know any other competitive team in their conference. And even with uh, Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota state, um, then again, did Josh Allen go there, North Dakota State? Uh, Josh Allen went to Wyoming, and oh, Wyoming. Carson oh, okay. Carson Wentz went to uh, Dakota State. North Dakota State. Okay, yeah. there you go. So, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that probably has something to do with it, too. I mean, you know, when you think of college football, Alabama is Alabama, and Ohio State's Ohio State, and even Clemson. So that's why I was thinking, you know, maybe that's why their draft stock was so high. Obviously, they're night and day compared to – competitiveness in a BYU or a North Dakota state. But I don't know. I, I really, I really was very impressed with what Zach Wilson was doing at his pro day. And even Justin Fields, I thought he had a really good pro day as well, but I guess Wilson just seemed to outshine him. And I mean, after, you know, after uh, Sam Darnold was traded to, to Carolina, I guess it kind of solidified as if there was any doubt before that the jets were going for, for a quarterback. It kind of just solidifies that they're probably, probably going to take Wilson at number two. It seems like. Do you? Th- I was. I was interested in um, one of the other quarterbacks that I'm interested in is is Mac Jones. Um, 
do you think that there's any risk in drafting Mac Jones in that, you know, he went to Alabama, uh, he's got a, and, and, you know, because of that, he's, he's playing with, uh, you know, unbelievable wide receivers. He's got a great offensive line. Do you think that there's any risk in drafting him, you know, in that if he goes to a team that's not so great, he might struggle, especially just being, you know, being a pocket passer and not having that extra element of, of, you know, uh, running the ball as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's always that risk. I mean, when you're always playing with premier talent and, you know, you have literally the Bill Belichick of college football as your coach, you know, it was kind of smooth sailing for Mac Jones in that sense. But I mean, he does make a lot of plays himself. He still does have to put the ball in the receiver's hands. Um, I think if he goes to San Francisco, that'd be a good fit because, I mean, just watching last year's season, you know, San Francisco is a lot better team than what the record shows. Uh, had all the injuries and two years ago, they're in the Super Bowl. You know, they're six minutes away from winning it until they blew that lead. Um, I think if Mac Jones goes to San Francisco, he plays a similar uh, game uh, like Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think uh, he can, if he has to get out of the pocket, he has that capability as well. As you can see, he's done it a couple times with Alabama. Um, yeah, there's definitely the risk, though, like you're saying, Jack. But I think him to San Francisco is a really good fit, especially with guys like George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And, you know, they have a heavy a heavy run game as well with that big monster offensive line. I think it's a really good spot for Mac Jones to go as, you know, they can hand off the ball 40 times a game and it takes the pressure off of him having to make the big plays downfield all the time and having to throw the ball 40 times a game. I think San Francisco is a really good fit for him. Um, yeah, if they can get their hands on him, I think that's that's really ideal for them. Yeah, I think the Niners are definitely the best fit for Mac Jones. Like, I could really see him succeeding there. Um, but you said that the front office is split between him and what was the other quarterback? Uh, Trey Lance, Trey it Lance. seems right now. Oh, Trey uh, Lance, okay. It seems like Kyle Shanahan's really narrowing it down to Mac Jones, and that's his guy that he'd like. Mm-hmm. But it seems John Lynch and some of their other guys in the front personnel there are having some second thoughts on that and maybe wanting to lean towards Trey Lance. Um, I'm not sure how Trey Lance would do in that system because, you know, like the way they've been having Mac Jones, or it's not Mac Jones, sorry, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo there the past couple of years, it would have to be a complete change of scheme. So I'm not sure how other players around uh, Trey Lance would adapt to that new scheme. Um, keeping Mac Jones is pretty much just a better Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, and I think they could still stay on track with Mac Jones. Trey Lance, it might be a down year for San Francisco. And, you know, they're kind of in win-now mode, paying Trent Williams all that money, uh, signing Alex Mack this offseason, you know, putting all this draft – making all these picks – or trading all these picks away, sorry, to move up to pick three. I think it's win-now mode for San Francisco. And Mac Jones, I think, is their best option for that. Yeah, I think if you look at, like, San Francisco's roster, it's it's loaded. And if not for all the injuries that they've had over the past couple years, they could, you know – I mean, obviously they were in the Super Bowl two years ago, but um, you know, last year was kind of a write-off with all the injuries. But yeah, if they if they could get a a competent quarterback, then that that team is, I think, one of definitely you know one of the contenders. Um, yeah, uh, like you said, Jacob. You know, they bring in Trey Lance. They got to change kind of the whole flow of the team. It seems like so. I mean. Going into this, obviously, I think Mac Jones is obviously the safer bet, uh, the safer pick, and probably the better pick, in my opinion. Um, 
yeah, like I keep bringing it up. I mean, the NFC West next year, it's night and day compared to what it's going to be last year, especially after the Rams fired off that trade for Matthew Stafford. You know, um, I think this is going to be an extremely competitive division. And like you said, I don't see them trading up to pick three to not take Mac Jones. It just seems like, you know, win now mode, who's the guy that's probably going to win you games out of the out of the six quarterbacks? Obviously, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are off the table. I think Mac Jones is the, ne- is the next best option. So I could definitely agree with you there, seeing that they're going to take uh, Mac Jones at three because they are in a win-now mode. But uh, one thing I really want to talk about is what's going on with the Patriots because I've been talking, Jack and I brought it up last last podcast, and I've been talking with one of my friends. He's a huge Patriots fan. And I'm convinced, well, now Mac Jones is probably going to go three. I'm convinced that a quarterback is going to fall to 15 and they're going to be able I to snag I completely one. agree. You, you know, think? every day I go on the draft network, just toy around a little bit with the mock draft simulator. And just the way the draft seems to fall um, with Carolina now getting Darnold, and I think that their best situation, you know, is to try to get Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, and just try to build around. Sam Darnold will have the maximum success as he can. Um, I don't know if Denver goes quarterback as they, you know, Drew, Drew Locke hasn't really had his fair shake. He's looked really good in some games. Uh, he also got hurt last year as well. So I think they give Drew Locke one more season there. And if not, maybe look towards trade because that, that Denver team, I, again, I also think it's much better than the record shows. Um, the way the draft order is now, I can see um, the court, one of the two quarterbacks left. If Lance and Fields are still on the board going to New England at 15, um, they might try to swing a trade. I'm not sure who a trade partner would be. As you're saying earlier, there was a mock trade with uh, Dallas. I'm not sure if Dallas really is looking to give up on Patrick Sertain because they really do need secondary help. And there's not really anyone better than Sertain in this draft. So I'm not sure if they, you know, if they value draft capital more than a number one corner. Um, but I can see Fields or Lance falling to 15 here for them. Another team to watch out for could potentially be the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, it seems like they're not 100% sold on Jalen Hurts. Um, as Nick Sirianni, the new head coach, is saying he's not prim- uh, promising any jobs to anybody. So, you know, bringing in maybe some competition uh, to, you know, try to spark Jalen Hurts with such a good quarterback class. I mean, it might be hard for them to pass up on. So, yeah, I do think that there will be a quarterback at 15 for New England. It's just almost uh, if they're willing to take a quarterback because as many of you guys know, New England's not that kind of a flashy team. Like this uh, this past offseason, you know, seeing Bill Belichick break the bank like that was uh, very surprising to most. And, you know, I'm before I would have said no no chance that, uh, you know, New England takes a quarterback. Now I'm I'm all for it, I think. I think that they, uh, they have a really good chance to take one now if there's one there. Um depending on how much they'd have to give up to move into the top 10. Um, that's for them to determine. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a good chance that the quarterback's in there at 15. Yeah, I was talking about this last week too with, with Rob about um, Philly, how they're not completely sold on Jalen Hurts. And I don't know, I just don't really get it. Like I watched uh, pretty much every Philly game with, with Hurts last year. And, um, you know, I thought he looked pretty good. I just don't understand why they would draft another quarterback this year. I, I like, I just don't get that decision. But um, I don't know. Maybe they're just maybe I don't know. Maybe they're just not sold on him. But um, I think it, I think it's more the fact that you know it was 
Doug Peterson was behind the, the Jalen Hurts thing as well. And, you know, he's not there anymore. So Nick Sirianni really has no ties to Jalen Hurts. Like, I mean, there's no promising for Jalen Hurts anymore um, with him as a job. It's a new head coach. You know, it's his team now. So if he really likes, you know, let's say Justin Fields at pick 12 and he's there, I could see them pulling the trigger. I'm not sure um, how much work Philadelphia has done on quarterbacks. I, I knew they were very interested on Zach Wilson. But once they traded back to from 6 to 12 Miami, I knew that wasn't a possibility anymore. Um, yeah, but I'm very interested to see what happens with Philadelphia and with Jalen Hurts moving forward as well. Yeah, I'm looking at um, a couple of different mock drafts here because you talk, you were talking about Denver too. Um, so Mel Kuyper has Micah Parsons, a linebacker from Penn State, going to Denver. Um, it's another one here that's uh, got Trey Lance going to Denver and then the one on the NFL.com uh, website that has Justin Fields going to Denver. So that just shows you that people aren't really sure on, A, what they're going to do with Drew Locke, and, B, if they are picking a quarterback, who they're going to pick. Yeah, there, I, I was seeing earlier this morning that there were some rumors swirling around that uh, Teddy Bridgewater could potentially be moved to Denver before the draft. And, I mean, if that happens, I'd say they're fully out on a quarterback. But until something of that – you know, capacity happens. I'd say they're still in on the quarterbacks. If they're still hanging around and I'm guaranteed that there will be at least one there for them. Uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be up to John Elway and the rest of their front office, you know, to determine if that's what they want to do. Um, you know, I I've been mocking uh, Denver with Mika Parsons from Penn state. I think that's a really good fit with them. Uh, Von Miller's not getting much younger and you already have Bradley Chubb on the other side. Uh, they did a lot of work for their defense this off season. And, you know, the saying defense wins championships. And I think if they're, you know, if their defense can prevent any points from going on the board and Drew Locke can just do, you know, like the bare minimum for Denver to get them enough points to win a game, I think that Denver could be potentially a wild card team in the AFC next year. Yeah, you, I mean, you talk about defense wins championships. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, look at Denver's last championship. It was all defense. So it's funny how the cards fall. Um, but yeah, do you think possibly Denver takes an O-lineman because, you know, obviously Melvin Gordon from the backfield and they just lost Philip Lindsay. And like you said, they got Bradley Chubb on the other side and they improved their defense a lot this off season. Do you think that's, um, I'd say not really, it'd be probably the third option. I think for Denver, it goes almost, I think it's almost as if you don't like a quarterback and you don't like Parsons, you're probably trying to trade out and get as most, as much capital as you can, because, um, you know, I think Panay Sewell is going to go number five to Cincinnati and then Slater should be gone before even Denver gets on the clock. So at that point, you're getting you're getting an offensive lineman. You can get middle of the uh, first round there. And for even a team like, let's say, New England, who maybe would make that jump from 15 to nine, you know, and swing a trade with Denver. That could be a possibility and try to get some extra dra draft capital there for Denver. Um, I think that's probably the way to go if you're not sold on anyone there at nine. Um, yeah, I was just, um, I wanted to ask you, cause I think arguably the, the best player, the best non QB player in this draft, um, is Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida. Where do you, where do you see Kyle Pitts going? Do you think that he's just going to go to the Falcons? Like the first team that kind of isn't, doesn't have an immediate need at quarterback or, or do you see him going somewhere else? 
Yeah, I think Kyle Pitts does end up with Atlanta. The, the, the fit's too good there. With Hayden Hurst on the other side, I mean, uh, the new coach, Arthur Smith, likes running the two tight end set. And, you know, right now they only have Hayden Hurst, really, and at least they acquired Lee Smith from Buffalo in the offseason. Um, but if you can get Kyle Pitts, that's a perfect scheme fit there in Atlanta. It almost brings it back to, like, the Tony Gonzalez days there. Um, yeah, and that's a guy you can't pass up on. You know, they have, they have needs on defense, but I don't really think there's anyone at pick four that is worth the selection uh, in terms of the defensive side of the ball. And I can't – unless they trade out, I can't see them passing up on Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, with a short kind of window left with Matt Ryan and, you know, their team, they're another team too, who their record doesn't reflect on how good they could possibly be. Um, I think that they could be a playoff team next year, possibly. I mean, they're in a very hard division. Um, yeah, I think Matt Ryan's got a short window left as well as Julio's maybe got two to three seasons left playing at the level he's at. And, you know, you got Calvin Ridley, you can add Kyle Pitts to that offense. You know, they signed Mike Davis from Carolina this past offseason, who was a beast last year and McCaffrey was out. Um, that offense is starting to look pretty scary in, in that division next year. So I, I would say that's the best pick for them. Whether they decide to do that or not is up to them. But that's where I think uh, Kyle Pitts falls. Yeah, we got we got to have Curtis on to discuss this. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's probably biting his tongue right now listening to this like, oh, I can't wait. It's okay, Curtis. We'll, yeah. We'll see how their play on the field works out. Yeah, I don't know how you yeah, could how you could pass up on Kyle Pitts though. Like, I don't know if you guys have. I'm sure Jacob, you've watched like his film. It, like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, this guy's. It's scary. I think he's, he's scary, like man. a yeah. He moves, he moves like a wide receiver at the tight end position. Yeah, exactly. That ever. That's terrifying. Oh, the yeah. last guy I've seen as like a top ten player it was T.J. Hawkinson from uh for Detroit and. He doesn't even compare to what Kyle Pitts can bring no. to the table. You like, like I, I can't see a team passing up on him when there is a need at tight end, especially in Atlanta. You know, Hayden Hurst, he's not a bad tight end, but with the possibility of getting, you know, maybe the next big guy at tight end in the NFL, I don't see how you pass up on that. Yeah, I've seen some talk too, saying that it's very easy to transition Pitts into a wide receiver because of how athletic he is. So, I mean, do you think the fact that Julio maybe doesn't have that much time left really intrigues them even more to take pits in this situation. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, not even, well, not even just that as well. It's just more the fact that he could literally play in the slot if you want him to having a tight end playing in the slot towering over any defender is scary. And when he could keep up for them or keep up with them, sorry, like step for step downfield. And, you know, he's, faster than most of his competitors as well at that size that's a scary sight and you know when you have already two weapons in Ridley and Jones like I don't know what teams teams are going to focus on when, in terms of uh, game planning to play Atlanta if you can get Matt Matt Ryan's been a solid quarterback and he gets he gets a lot of hate but he's always at the top of the league in terms of passing yards and I think this helps him a lot more too especially if you're throwing touchdowns Kyle Pitts in the red zone was a beast for Kyle Trask at Florida and yeah, I can't see Atlanta passing this guy up. So the yeah, so the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, we talked about where the um, you know who the Patriots should pick. Uh, Rob is a Steelers fan, so I wanted to get your opinion on um, who do you think the Steelers should pick? Obviously, it's a later round or a later uh, you know pick in in the first round, but 
Who do you who do you see them selecting? There's been a lot of talk about Najee Harris ending up in Pittsburgh, especially with the departure of James Cart uh, James Conner. Um, I don't know if that necessarily is their number one pick right now, as you know they lost Mike Hilton this past off season at corner, and this is a very deep cornerback draft. Um, I've always been the kind of guy that's not really for a first round running back um, because I mean running backs one of the most replaceable positions in the league. Obviously there's top tier running backs, but behind any good scheme and any good offensive line, any running back will do the job for you. I think offensive tackle is a very big need for Pittsburgh, especially with losing a Villanueva and as well as corner for them. Um, another position I could see them going would be potentially on the defensive line somewhere at edge, you know, cause Hayward and Tua are getting older. So that is another position uh, that they could address. But I think that the uh, the that Pittsburgh will go with Najee Harris in the first round this this year if he's there for them. Just from all right, uh, yeah, I think it's just from the temptation of him being there and how good he was last year at Alabama. I think that they do end up pulling the trigger on Harris, and I think that's the pick that uh, Pittsburgh will go with. Yeah, I have um, just looking at the mock drafts. I have again. So Mel Kiper has Najee Harris going to going to Pittsburgh. Um, this one on CBS has uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, O lineman out of USC, and the one from NFL.com has uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, offensive tackle. So, yeah, like you said, um, they could take a running back or. I think they I think they definitely have some some needs on the O line, like you said, losing Villanueva. Um yeah, Marquise Pouncey also retired. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that too. I mean so that was... if Vera Tucker's there for them, that's a perfect fit because he could play inside or out. So it that would be up to Mike Tomlin on what he'd like to do. Uh you could even play Vera Tucker uh at the center position if that's somewhere that they they think he could play for them. He's had experience playing center uh at USC. Uh, he's more of a tackle, though. Uh, if, I mean, and they do need a tackle right now, so that'd also be a good, another good fit for Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, and and I think, or go ahead, Rob. Sorry, uh, no, I was just gonna say it's been a little tough free agency for Pittsburgh. Obviously, they lost James Conner uh, to Arizona, Bud Dupree to Tennessee, Marquise Pouncey retired. Obviously, Villanueva. There's a lot of speculation going on that he's gonna sign with Baltimore after the draft. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of missing holes and there's a lot of gaps. And obviously, this whole first round running back voodoo thing is still up in the air. So, I mean, they got the 24th overall pick and then they have the 55, 55th overall pick in the second in the second round. So, I mean, there's a big gap between the two. I'm sure, you know, obviously, teams aren't really going to draft a running back in the first round. And needless to say, like some of the teams in the second round are, you know how many running backs are going to go before the 55th pick in terms of the second round from 33 to 55, that's 22 picks. How many running backs realistically are going to fall considering how deep some of these other positions are like cornerback, like you said, Jacob. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty realistic that they could snag a, re- a running back and and an old lineman. Um, I mean, that'd be great. Obviously it doesn't really fill the void of Marquise Pouncey, but it'll do. Um, yeah, and also quickly, I put together a list here of just some of the teams facing some pressure heading into the draft, and I think the Steelers are one of them, considering, you know, 
the the off season they had and the season they had in general last year. They were the hottest team in the league up until week twelve, and then it just all fell apart, especially in the playoffs. Um, another team I have here facing a lot of pressure, I would say Miami, because they did trade up um, from from what was it? Twelve to six. Twelve to six. Twelve to six. And they also have the 18th overall pick, and then they also have the 36th overall pick. They even made some moves in the offseason. They brought in Will Fuller, especially. I think there's a lot at stake here for Miami. There's a lot of options that can play out. There's a lot of ways they can go, and there's a lot of routes they can take. And I I really think if they play their cards right, I think they're sneaking into a wild card position next year, like, without a doubt. Yeah, I know for sure. I agree that there's a lot of pressure on Miami this year uh, in terms of draft. Like last year, last year they had three first round picks as well. And a lot of fans were not in particularly pleased with the way they spent their later round picks, uh, especially with Noah Ibanagami in the uh, late first round. You could They think that they could have got him in the second there. But I mean, if that's their guy, that's their guy this year. Um, they made the trade from three to 12 with San Francisco while acquiring an extra first round pick and then traded back in from 12 to six with Philadelphia while also retaining another first round pick. Great asset management there from them. Um, they, they made that move in almost a sense that they knew they wouldn't be able to get their guy in which I believe is Jamar Chase at pick six from LSU, the wide receiver. Um, they really need to get to with some help. Uh, a lot of fans weren't too pleased with this play last year as they were set up in for a chance to make the playoffs last year and you know Tua's play was a little bit shaky and you know sometimes they had to pull him put Fitzpatrick in to try to you know kind of be the closer for them and you know as a, as a Dolphins fan you hate to see that obviously as you know it doesn't really show a lot of faith in your franchise quarterback um, they really do need to address the wide receiver position as well like you said uh, Rob that they did get Will Fuller um, you know Will Fuller's faced a lot of injury problems as well as off the field problems in his time with Houston so that's why he's only on the one-year deal right now. And, you know, seeing what Will Fuller can do in Miami, he is a great talent, and that is a really good pickup for him. Uh, but I think in terms of long-term, Jamar Chase is going to be the guy there in Miami. Um, they, like you said, they also have the 18th pick as well, and they do need to get better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think if they go edge rusher or they can even look at defensive interior defensive line there, um, that would be another good pickup for them. Um there is also some big uh, big rumors going around about them also potentially selecting Najee Harris. They do seem to have a pretty crammed backfield right now, especially with how good Miles Gaskins ended up playing last year for them. Um, another potential pick for them could be linebacker at pick 18, as well as um, maybe an offensive tackle from how deep this year is. Uh, so they do have a lot of options, and you know a lot of fans will be pretty irritated if they – you know, they don't succeed in the fans' eyes, per se, in this year's draft. So they do have a lot riding on them right now. Um, yeah, it's a big draft for Miami. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think another team in a similar vein that has a lot of pressure on them and, and maybe, um, you know, people aren't too sure on who they're going to pick is is um, the Lions. Um, you know, obviously – in the off season, they traded uh, uh, Matthew Stafford to L.A. Um, Jared Goff went went to Detroit. Um, do you think that could you, could you see Detroit drafting a, a QB even after acquiring Jared Goff? 
yeah, for sure there's the potential, especially with, you know, maybe a guy dropping like Justin Fields, who they probably didn't think was going to follow them when they made that Matthew Stafford trade. Um, another, uh, what I think is the best situation for Detroit is to restock the cupboard in terms of wide receiver. You know, they lost Kenny Galladay this last past offseason to the Giants, Marvin Jones to the Jaguars. This year is a very deep draft at wide receiver. And I think if they can get their hands on, let's say, a Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith at pick seven, I think that's the pick to go. Uh, they do have Jared Goff under contract for this year and next, and cutting them would be a lot of dead weight or a lot of dead cap, sorry. Um, so I think making the best out of the situation they have right now with Jared Goff, because there is there is a lot of potential in him, and he's shown flashes of being a solid quarterback in this, in, in this league. And I think if you can get him a solid weapon, uh, that'd be the route to go for Detroit. Uh, like you said, though, there is definitely a potential for a quarterback to bring in some competition, but I'm not sure if that's the move that they go with, considering that, you know, getting rid of golf isn't really – isn't, isn't really on the table for them. Bringing back the yeah, I, I, days. Sorry. Yeah. Not, not cool. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think that um, I think they should definitely draft a wide receiver. I think that Goff is good enough for, for them now. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, th- there'll be other drafts. I mean, obviously this is a really deep quarterback draft, but um, I think there'll be other opportunities later down the road. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. This and again, like Detroit's, Detroit's in a situation where you know you're not competing for the Super Bowl, and you're probably not even competing for a playoff spot currently with the roster at hand. Um, I think a potential move for Detroit could also be trading back in this draft, try to getting some extra draft capital as it's, as it's a, it's about the long term game here for Detroit, and they they know, uh, their coach knows as well, Dan Campbell. He brought in knowing the plan that it's going to be, it's going to be some time. And they think that he's the right guy at the helm to, uh, to bring Detroit back to the promised land. Um, but we're just going to have to see how it goes from uh, here on out. Another one I wanted to talk about very briefly was, uh, you know, a couple days ago we saw a trade between Baltimore and Kansas city, sending Orlando Brown to Kansas city. And uh, you know, in the last podcast, uh, Jack and I talked about it, you know, Kansas city got, just just a tad exposed in the Super Bowl. Just just a bit. So they were really chasing some offensive linemen there. They signed Joe Tooney, obviously, and then now Orlando Brown. Uh, and that leaves them without a first-round pick, and now that leaves Baltimore with two first-round picks, 27 and 31. What do you think their route is to go in this draft? Because obviously they made some big moves in the offseason as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they did sign Kevin Zeitler in the offseason. From the Giants, and that's a good pickup for them for the interior of their offensive line. Uh, they do get Ronnie Staley back next year, who they they lost at the end of their season last year due to injury. Uh, I think the route for Baltimore is there's been a big knock that they they need weapons for Lamar, and I think that with uh, acquiring that extra pick and how deep this year's draft is at both offensive line and wide receiver, I think they knock both those position positions off. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take an edge, maybe two even in the first round, especially with how good those guys are this year. Um, as their defensive line uh, got a little bit weaker this offseason, they lost Yannick Ngakwe. Um, and just over the past few years, they've been slowly losing guys. And, you know, Clayce Campbell isn't getting any younger. So uh, those are that's also potential with Baltimore. 
Um, but I think for them, the best situation would be to address the wide receiver position and as well as address, uh, address the offensive tackle position. Um, come pick uh, 30, uh, 31 that they have in Kansas. I'm not sure what receiver would be there. It could be uh, the likes of like Rashad Bateman or Terrace Marshall, uh, poten- uh, potentially uh, Kadarius Toney. So we're going to have to see how that plays out for them. Um, yeah, I think that though that's the route for Baltimore at the current situation right now. Yeah, that's interesting. Another AFC North rival, obviously being a big Steelers fan. Um, I mean, Jack and I have both talked about our teams, obviously what the Steelers should do, what the Patriots should do. What do you think for your team, Jacob? What do you think? Yeah, I, what do you think? I've been a I've been a Bills fan since I was a kid. And um, you know, this past year was obviously, you know, it was the best year I've ever seen them have. So that was a big year for Buffalo. And I think we're trending in the right direction, especially with the way we handled this offseason, you know, keeping everybody in house, didn't really lose any major pieces. And we also added to a team that was already very good by getting, you know, Emmanuel Sanders. That's a big pickup for us, I'd say. Um, I think for Buffalo, I know they really they really like to address the running back position. As you know, the last year you saw that Devin Singletary wasn't the greatest of running backs of the team. Um, I know they really like to get their hands on Najee Harris, but like I was saying earlier, Miami has uh, significant interest in them as well as Pittsburgh. So a potential trade-up might even have to be in the works to get them if that's their guy. But if not, I think Travis Etienne from Clemson will fall right into their lap if they'd like to select him. Um, there's been a lot of rumors going around with Buffalo at uh, about a, drafting a cornerback, especially Asante Samuel from Florida State. Um, if he's on the board as well with, you know, uh, let's say Harris isn't on the board at that time or one of the defensive uh defensive lineman they like isn't on at the time either i could see you know samuel being the pick there a potential trade back as well going you know acquiring maybe another second round pick and going back into having two picks in the second round could be a potential for buffalo if they're not sold on anybody um yeah but at this point now it's just about adding to a a team that's already good you know if you can add to another edge rusher uh you know, because Jerry Hughes played really well last year. Just Mario Addison, you know, you didn't really get the the full experience of what they were hoping they were going to get with them. Um, so that's another position that they look at is edge. Uh, offensive tackle, you know, they have Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams locked up now, but always, all, you know, having offensive line depth is always crucial in the NFL. Uh, so that's another route that they can go to. But I know they're really trying to, you know, they're really trying to get Josh Allen's more weapons, and I'd keep an eye out for Travis Etienne going to Buffalo. Um, so as of right now, that's who I think they'd select. But, you know, it's, it's got, we got to see how the, the way the draft falls out. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, there's a couple of different ways the Buffalo can go. But uh, I think, yeah, definitely improving their backfield would be a good decision. Um, like you said, you know, Singletary – wasn't necessarily the guy, especially in the playoffs. But um, so the, the the kind of overarching question I wanted to ask you too about the draft was um, who do you think is the most overrated and underrated player in the draft? Like who do you think is like getting way too much uh, stock and then who do you think people are just sleeping on? I think a lot of people, that a, a lot of players – are getting slapped on by skill. It's one guy in particularly for me is JC Horn. He started to climb up a lot of draft boards here, 
I think he he's right up there with Patrick Sertan. He possesses all the all the skills you'd be looking for at a number one corner in this league. Uh, his knock is his open field tackling. Uh, he sometimes struggles in one on one one on one tackling in the open field. Another guy too is Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, the offensive tackle. I, he's right up there with Panay Sewell, and he's starting to get his love now a bit. But I think for the longest of times, people had him, you know, in the late in the later of the uh, later end of the first round, and that's not right at all. He's a top ten pick in in any year. He's a great offensive tackle. Um, in terms of players that are a little bit overrated, I'm gonna go with Trey Lance on that one. I think that there's such a small sample size right now on Trey Lance as him as he only played one game last year. For all the hype, especially with the potential of him going to San Francisco at three, I think that's a little bit much. I don't think that he can't be a good player in the NFL. I just think the hype right now is a little too much, especially seeing that he's better than Justin Fields and or Mac Jones, especially with how well they played last year. I think that's one of the players that is very overrated in this draft. Um, yeah, that's for me. Uh, what about you guys, though? I don't know, Rob. What do you think? I think Mac Jones is being really undersold. I don't know why. I know, obviously, now. Yeah, he's I can agree with that as well. Go, yeah. He speculated to go three, but I mean, up until, you know, two days ago, not even, he was speculated to go middle of the first round, 15, and the guy just came off of a championship season, and he was also in the Heisman conversation. So I, f- I found that a little strange. I'm not going to lie, but, you know, now he's obviously reverting back to number three. Um, in terms of who I think is being overshot or overshot um to be quite honest i'm not too sure i mean yeah I this know. year's this year's draft i got agree with it's, you on it's, that it's, Rob. Yeah. it's such a good draft that it's very like i've watched all these guys for the whole year i've been following this draft since last august um so i've been you know all these guys are very talented and i think every team's getting a quality player at each pick in this draft and this is a very exciting draft to watch. All the all the scouts on the NFL Network, ESPN, everywhere will tell you the same thing. This is one of the better drafts we've seen over the last few years. And um, one guy that I also forgot to mention earlier that's getting, you know, not as much love as he should is Kyle Trask, quarterback from Florida. He was right in the Heisman situation last year as well. Um, he was the one throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts. Uh, a lot of people forget how good of a season he had last year. Uh, I don't think he makes it into the first round. Um, but he is for sure a second round, uh, second round guy for one team. Um, I'm not sure where he ends up. I think a good fit for him would be New Orleans, um, given you know Jameis Winston a bit of a push, uh, potentially even getting in some games this year if that's uh, if that's where he gets selected. Um, I'd love to see where he goes. I think wherever team gets him, that's great quality at the selection, especially if it's not in the first round. Um, he deserves more more respect than he's getting right now in a lot of mock drafts. And uh, I'm ex- really excited to see where he ends up. Yeah, I think for me, um, the most underrated player right now, I would have to say Justin Fields. Um, I think that, you know, I know you guys were saying about, um, you know, it is it can be risky drafting kind of a, a quarterback that relies heavily on his, his ability to get out of the pocket and, and, and run. But I think if you look at uh, – a lot of the quarterbacks that are succeeding in the NFL right now. I mean, you know, obviously Lamar has had his ups and downs, but I think he's, I think he's still a really good quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think that if you, if you have both elements to your game, like you can, you can be a good passer, but also, um, you know, be 
a dual threat guy, I think that that's how you can succeed. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts too. Um, obviously, can get out of the pocket and run, but he really improved. He honed in on his on his passing ability, and I think that that's what that's what impressed me watching with Philly last year. So I think that Justin Fields could be a similar situation where, you know, he people view him as more of a, a, a you know a running quarterback, but um, I think that if he improves his his passing ability just a little bit, then I think he can be uh, definitely be a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and I agree fully on that too, Jack, because his arm last year also with Ohio State, he was he was he was able to let that ball go downfield a lot of times, which you haven't seen in previous seasons from Justin Fields. And um, his arm's only going to get better with time and, you know, going with practice. And if he gets put in the proper scheme that, you know, works to both of his abilities and, you know, he's going to, he's going to get knocked down for, you know, Oh, he's just a running quarterback and whatnot. But, you know, after seeing his pro day and after seeing him let the ball fly, I don't think you can just knock him down as a running quarterback anymore. Um, I agree with you on that, Jack, and I'm very excited to see Justin Fields at the next level. Yeah, and I think also, like, I think in order to be successful in the NFL, you, you need to at least, you know, not necessarily be like a, a guy like Lamar, but you at least need to be able to get out of the pocket and, and run, with with a couple exceptions. Obviously, you know, Brady, you know, Rodgers, obviously Breeze just retired, but guys like that, the veterans, they can they can rely solely on, on their – you know, their precision passing and stuff like that. But I think that to be a, an up and coming quarterback in the NFL, you have to be more than just a pocket passer. You have to, you know, the, the other team needs to at least fear that other part of your game. Yeah. And I, and I agree too, you know, being a Bills fan, you know, Josh Allen, he can bring both to the table. He's arguably has the strongest arm in the NFL. And when he's got to get out of the pocket, he can get going. And a lot of people compare him to Trey Lance. Um, you know, cause Trey Lance does have that strong arm and he can get out of the pocket when needed. Um, and, so, and that's the same thing with Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson is also got the strong arm as well as he's got the precision on his passing as well. And if you need him to move around in the pocket, he can do that too for you. Yeah. Or even think, or even like, you know, I think the biggest example is Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, Oh he, yeah. Him too. Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, I agree. It just seems like all these quarterbacks that have to be successful, they're just more athletic. And I think that's really what it comes down to because I think the game has changed a lot since, obviously, you know, the Bradys and the Breeze and the Rodgers since they've come into the league. And I think, you know, schemes are developing more and they're changing more to kind of contain these types of quarterbacks. And, you know, the more quarterbacks that come into the league that are athletic like this, it, it doesn't doesn't do defenses any favors. So I think that's going to be something really interesting to look at. And I think that really plays a big part in draft stock because, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but uh, I think it was Bleacher Report. I don't remember. They posted a video of uh, Justin Fields' pro day, like 60-yard bombs on the dime. It was ridiculous. Like the wide receivers weren't even breaking stride and they literally just walked in for a touchdown. It was, it was crazy. So that really drew me into him. I thought, like, my God, how is this guy projected to go, you know, 15 or whatever it is? I just thought it, I just thought it was absurd. But, uh, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jack, go. No, yeah, I was just going to say the build on that, too. Like, if you watched him against Clemson last year, um, he, he, he was hurt. I 
game. Like he was yeah, kind of laboring. That big, he took that big shot at the start of the game. Yeah. He stayed inside the game and, you know, the rest was history. But yeah, he, he still played like unbelievable. So yeah. I don't know. The kid's a baller. Yeah. The kid can play. Um, I mean, do you have any predictions for next season, both of you guys, in terms of who's going to succeed and who maybe won't? I, I think one team that, you know, a lot of teams aren't aren't really given a full credit to is I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a team in, in the league next year who can make some noise, especially if they can get Joe Burrow some help on the offensive line. They already have the good weapons on the outside, and they did some work to their defense past offseason. You know, bringing in Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh, Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans, uh, who was right up there at the top of the league with sacks last year, um, uh, as well as Larry, uh, adding Larry Young Janobi from Cleveland. I think uh, they're going to be a very competitive team as well in that division. I also think Cleveland is going to be a very, very competitive team, a team that people could also be talking in the Super Bowl talk. You know, one guy that, you know, that kind of shies me away from that is the inconsistency of Baker Mayfield. Is just of how, you know, one game you get Heisman, you know, Baker Mayfield, and the next it's, you know, the guy everyone just, you know, hated on going into yeah. the draft. So uh, his inconsistency definitely is a is a struggle for Cleveland, I'd say. But those two teams are teams to look out for next year, in my opinion. I think the, the only problem with Cincinnati is, like, the division they play in. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, I agree. I think it's going to be the, the best division in the AFC, at least. Yeah. Very competitive. So like, e- even if they do improve, I, I don't know if I could see them finishing higher than third or fourth. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. like, I think the rest of the teams are that good. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with that as well. Um, but, I mean, steps in the right direction, though. You know, if you can get around the 800 mark for Cincinnati, which, you know, they haven't been able to do the past couple seasons. You know, if you can get – if you start making slow strides like that, you know, and then say, nah, you're after that, you're, you know, you're a bit, you're a bit over 500, and you're after that, you're competing for the division. It's just the slow strides that I think they'll be they'll be able to take with Joe Burrow at their uh, quarterback for them. What about you, Rob? Do you have any predictions? I think a couple teams that I'm really high on. Obviously, I keep breaking up Miami. I really think they're going to do some damage next year. Um, but obviously, another one, I think Dallas. Uh, you know, last year, Dak was hurt for the majority of the season. And Andy Dalton, as mentioned in our previous podcast, isn't exactly uh, a quarterback you look to. And, um, you know, Dak stays healthy this year. They're in a pretty bad division sorry to say and they have the number 10 10 pick so they take Patrick Sertain um you know hands down the best cornerback in the draft I think there was a stat he had like over 600 coverages or something like that and he allowed like two passes or two something ridiculous like that definitely the most complete corner in this draft yeah so I think that's gonna work wonders for them and like I said I mean their their offense as we saw last year was nothing shy of incredible barring a Dak Prescott injury. So he stays healthy. I think Dallas takes this division with their eyes closed. And I think they're going to be a team to look out for next year. I think also on that division, Washington gives them a good shot as well. Um, You know, Ron Rivera is a really good coach with already a good defense in Washington. I think in the draft this year, they add to their offensive line or even their linebacker, uh, their linebacker core. Uh, The question mark would obviously be Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if, you know, he can be a good starter for, 
17 games now a season. Um, that's a big question mark for them. But, you know, with Antonio Gibson making big steps last year as a rookie, Terry McLaurin taking over the big leadership role and, you know, just being who he is, already a good receiver in this league, as well as that and Curtis Samuel. And, you know, Logan Thomas making the big steps at tight end. I think they're another team to look out for. They've they competed with the Super Bowl champs in the wild card game this year with a with their third string quarterback. And so, I mean, that's a that's another team to look out for this year. And I'm very excited to uh, I'm very excited to see how Washington does. Yeah, I think um, Heineke is one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the NFL <laughs> of all time. Oh yeah, of all of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all time. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, this this draft is going to be all over the place nobody really seems to know what's going on um i mean unless you guys have anything else to say i have another segment if you guys want to wrap it up i was just gonna say another team sticking with the nfc east i think the giants could also get a lot better next year especially with the acquisition of uh kenny galladay in the offseason um you know I mean, they were they were pretty close to making the playoffs. I know it's the NFC East, but you know, um, if if they can they, if they can improve, you know, their offense and give Daniel Jones a little bit more to do, and I think if Daniel Jones too can take that next step, then uh, they could definitely compete to to win that division as well. I agree. I mean, for a better part of the last last season, like they competed in every game they were in up until the fourth quarter it seemed like and obviously Saquon was hurt last year yeah so you bring a guy like Saquon Barkley back I mean you know and it's uh it's obviously a big boost one of these one of these mock drafts also has Devontae Smith going to going to New York so that would be yeah. uh yeah, that's definitely something to look out for too yeah um or another one has uh actually the two other ones have Jalen Waddle too so I think either of those options would uh would help him out a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of crazy how many Alabama players like, like look at every every position. They cover all the bases. It yeah. seems like it's ridiculous. I keep telling a couple of my friends, I'm like, you watch like five or six players from Alabama. They're gonna be gone before you, like you even blink. Like it's just it's just crazy. I don't know. They're crazy. Um, I mean, yeah. Unless you guys have anything else <laughs> left to say about the draft. I think we said everything pretty much. Yeah. Well, I have one little segment prepared, and then we can wrap it up. Uh, piggybacking what we did last week, uh, we had Hall of Fame or not. So I kind of revamped it this year, and I said this or that. So okay. as opposed to choosing whether or not they're going to be in the Hall of Fame or not, we're choosing would you pick player A or player B in honor of the NFL draft. So basically I have, I have six players here. We'll go the first two. The second pairing and the third pairing, you're gonna. I'm basically gonna read out the stat lines from their last season in college, and you know it's up to your discretion whether you choose to. Pick oh, so so the so these are players in this year's draft. No, this is like players in the NFL. Oh, okay, but you're you're saying you're gonna read their the stats from their last year in college. Yeah. Okay. So like, say say a guy got drafted last year. I'm gonna read his college stats from 2018 or 2019. Sorry. Like okay, his last okay. year in, in college football. So okay. the first one here, we have player A, um, a senior out of Florida State University. He went for 99 receptions, uh, just over 1,300 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. And player B, 
a junior out of Maryland. 62 receptions, 792 yards, and five touchdowns. So obviously player A nearly, or not really nearly, but he was on the better half or just short of uh, doubling receiving yards. Seven touchdowns in comparison to five and 99 receptions in comparison to 62. He's also got another year under his belt as he's a senior and player B is a junior. I mean, I think, yeah, go ahead, Jacob. I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with the senior in the sense that, I mean, he's probably the more NFL ready player right out of the gate. And obviously in the NFL, there's no time to spare at the wide receiver position. As most of your receivers you draft are going right in. And it sounds like, you know, the Maryland receiver wouldn't be particularly a first-round pick. So I would definitely go with the receiver from Florida State. Yeah, I think, I think I'd have to I, – I think I'm going to do the same thing. That's interesting because both these receivers went in the fifth round. Uh, they were seven picks apart, actually. Player A is Rashad Green. He went 139th overall in 2015 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And player B is this guy named Stephon Diggs. He went 146th overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I, I knew it was and, Diggs. Uh, I knew it was Diggs because I was looking at the similar stats this morning. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the in terms of the game here, I would have definitely drafted the receiver from Florida State. So. You know, just to just to compare, over three seasons, Rashad Green has 30 receptions, 185 yards, and two touchdowns. And Stephon Diggs has just shy of 500 receptions, north of 6,000 yards, and 38 touchdowns. And he also just took home the receiving title for last year. So it's funny. It's funny how it plays out. Yeah, I mean it, that happens, right? Where it's like you, the the I don't know, you know, guys just come out of nowhere, and you know. Yeah, you take you take the best player possible, and then it's funny how the, yeah. how the dice roll. You know, um, I mean. The second pairing we got here, uh, player A, also a senior from West Virginia, um, 114 receptions, 1,289 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. And player B is a junior, also a wide receiver out of Clemson, 82 receptions, 1,400 receiving yards, and 18 touchdowns. I think I'm going to go with the Clemson player because I, I, um, I don't know. I just think that I mean, obviously Clemson produces some some really good players, and uh, I don't read read the stats one more time. So player A, uh, for one, oh my gosh, English, one hundred fourteen receptions in comparison to eighty two for B. Player A has one thousand two hundred eighty nine yards in comparison to player B's one thousand four hundred and five yards, and player B has eighteen touchdowns where player A has twelve. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Clemson player. Yeah, I got to agree with Jack as well. I mean, guy coming from Clemson definitely is no slouch, and I think his stats are only a little bit deflated or a little bit um, a little bit less there. Sorry, it would be because, he, I mean, he is playing with Clemson, and there's more weapons surrounded by him, and I think you're definitely getting a better player coming from Clemson. Well, in 2013, uh, the St. Louis Rams at the time went with the senior at eight overall, Tavon Austin, out of West Virginia. And in 2013, the Houston Texans 
went with the junior, 27th overall, Mr. DeAndre Hopkins I was, himself. I, had a, I, I was thinking it was DeAndre, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hopkins has north of 10,000 receiving yards, 60 touchdowns, and Tavon Austin, 2,000 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. So. Pretty sure he's not even in the league anymore. Yeah, yeah I was gonna, I was gonna say I've never even heard of the yeah. first guy. Yeah, <laughs> really? he, he played. He, he bounced around the league the last couple of years as a return man, pretty much. And I think his last stop was with the Cowboys, maybe yeah. the 49ers. I'm not 100 sure. Uh, just literally returning the ball, and obviously, you know what DeAndre Hopkins is up to these days. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. And finally, our last pairing, uh, we have two defensive players. So, player A is a sophomore out of Texas. He went for 65 tackles, 8 interceptions, and 2 touchdowns. And player B is a senior out of Virginia Tech. 68 tackles, 2 interceptions, and 0 touchdowns. I mean, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards first player because he has he had 2 touchdowns. Um you know more uh yeah i don't i mean is is every one of these just going to be like we pick <laughs> we pick the player with the better stats and 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 you know it's it's the guy who's like not even in the league anymore uh, that's the thrill of drafting in the yeah NFL, no i know <laughs> um just read them one more time so player a 65 tackles eight interceptions and two touchdowns and player B, 68 tackles, two interceptions, and zero touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going to take player A. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with Jack on that, player A. Before I say it, Jacob, do you have any guess, or Jack, you as well, any guess as to who these are? I have no idea, but... Uh, uh, Texas, you say. Uh, I'm not sure, no. Well, in 2010, these two actually went to the same team. Uh, the first player, player A, went 14th overall to the Seahawks, Earl Thomas. And he finished with a stat line of 30 interceptions, 12 forced fumbles, and 3 touchdowns. And the second player, player B, the senior out of Virginia Tech, went 133rd overall to Seattle, Cam Chancellor. 12 interceptions, 9 forced fumbles, and 0 touchdowns in his time in the NFL. That's not a bad draft for Seattle at all. So. Not yeah. bad at all. It panned, it panned out pretty good for them. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, like you uh, said, though, yeah. it definitely is the risk in, in drafting NFL. Like, you really just don't know what you're going to get. And you don't. That's why in my articles, I, I really I hone in on the scheme fit. If this guy is not going to fit in your scheme, don't matter how good he is, um, if he's not a guy that's going to fit your scheme or fit what you guys are doing, he's not going to work out the way you'd like. And I think that's what happens in a lot of the situations where guys are, let's say, busts, and then they go to a different team, and then they're some some stud player. It's just, um, you know, it's it's the scheme. If the scheme don't doesn't fit, the scheme doesn't fit. And I think that's what's going to happen with Sam Darnold in Carolina. I think it's just honestly, it was more of the situation that Sam Darnold fit, faced in New York. It was, I mean, it's always the Jets are going to be the Jets. It's just how it is. But um, him going to Carolina, I think the scheme fits a lot more. You know, giving the ball off McCaffrey a lot would take off some stress. Plus, he got some better weapons, better offensive line, and at least a competent coach for once. So that uh, that's one one thing for him. Yeah, it, I call it the Adam Gase effect. Oh, for yeah. sure. 
It, it, it's it's going to be the same thing that happened to Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and that's another guy right? too. Right? Sure. Yeah, you know, like he went, he was he was a bust in Miami, and then he went to Tennessee, and they, you know, they they look. utilized they his strengths, and yeah, yeah. and then you know. That's what that's that's literally what the NFL is. If a guy doesn't fit your scheme, no matter how good he is, and that's that's what a lot of stress is on teams like Miami, like we're saying. I mean, you can go draft the best player available, but if that guy doesn't fit what you got going on, he's not going to be the best player available, you know. And I mean, that's why people always go back and look at the drafts or whatever, and see, oh, this team passed upon this guy, and this team passed upon this guy. It's because they go for the best player available. And he doesn't end up being, you know, what they intend intended he was going to be. So that's that's a big risk in the draft. And you know, a lot of teams get it right, but there's a great chunk that get it wrong. That's like you know, Patty Mahomes, like Chicago trading yeah. up to get Trubisky, and yep. but I, I don't think I don't think anybody knew, you know, what what Mahomes was going to be coming out of Texas Tech. Like, no, definitely not. Like even me as a Bills fan, we gave Kansas that pick. Yeah. yeah, and we and again though saying that we traded back in that draft acquiring pick 27 and we selected Tredavious White, who's arguably mm-hmm. one of the best corners in the league, and he got passed on by the 26 other teams ahead of him, right? <laughs> yeah, so then and then and then the year after that, we move up and we yeah, the year after that, yeah, we slide up and we go pick seven and we select Josh Allen. So I mean it's just it's funny the way things work and um, Chicago definitely messed that up. And even people always refer to Patrick Mahomes, but people always forget that Deshaun Watson just came yeah. out the national championship season there too. And that's, I think, might be the same situation Mac Jones is dealing with right now where, you know, he's getting, um, you know, overlooked because of the talent around him or whatever, even though they both just did the same thing. And, you know, that could have been the reason that Mac Jones was sliding before. And I think San Francisco is realizing now what Mac Jones really is and how talented he can be for them. Yeah, like I'll forgive Chicago for not picking Patrick Mahomes, but not picking Deshaun Watson that that, yeah. that was just like really dumb. Like, yeah, and I think even even the move itself, they had pick three. San Francisco had pick two to give up assets to move up one pick for a team you knew wasn't going to take Mitch Trubisky. I think was ridiculous. Yeah, but come on, look look who they have now. They have Andy Dalton, so you know yeah. it worked out, right? All, all, all is good. All is good in Chicago, baby. Yeah. Double oh seven, yeah. Double oh seven. The most the most the most misleading nickname in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Anyways, um honestly I think that's gonna wrap it up. I mean we basically covered all the bases. We talked about everything there is to talk about about the NFL draft. Um, you know. Now we'll just wrap it up. So Jacob, if you have, you know, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, you want to let the people know where they can find you, if you have any work coming out, uh, whether it's articles or works of your own. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be posted, but um, I got my mock draft coming out on Overline Sports on Wednesday. I'm going to try to do um, – I'm going to try to do for three rounds. Uh, that that covers most of the bases of familiar names for a lot of people after three rounds, and I think that's uh, that's a good mock for people to read. If you want to check that out on Wednesday at Over the Line Sports. And uh, today, I'm going to try to get out uh, my top five quarterbacks for this year. And tomorrow will be my receivers for this year's draft. Um, it was fun doing the series this year, and this is a really good draft. Um, something I've been looking forward to for a long time as many football fans. 
I'm excited to see how the way it plays out. Yeah, and also definitely check out all of Jacob's articles already up on um, OverTheLineSports.ca. He has um, articles for the the uh, previewing the running backs, safeties, defensive line, and edge rushers, linebackers, cornerbacks, O-lines, and tight ends. So, I mean, J- Jacob's just been pumping out articles, so definitely check out all his stuff. Um, yeah, I'd like to just um, thank you for – you know, coming on the show, Jacob. Um, it's good to discuss, you know, the draft. Um, I'll just plug some of my stuff. So yeah, you can check, check me out at Instagram on, uh, it's at Jack underscore brittle and on Twitter at brittle underscore Jack. Um, make sure to follow all the, uh, OTL pages. So that's over the line sports on Instagram and Twitter. Also, the uh, uh, OTL Sports podcast page on Instagram, um, where you can find out all the updates about um, all of our podcasts, whether that be Blue Jays Way, uh, The Layup Line, or Spike. Um, And yeah, Rob, I don't know if you want to plug your stuff as well. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Vona, just my name, and... uh... On Twitter at Vona underscore Robert, like Jacob said, he's got tons of good stuff coming out about the NFL draft, so that's definitely something to look at. They're really interesting, and they take a really interesting lens about uh, the top five players. Um, yeah, the F1 season's still going on, so there's some articles up there about just a recap of some of the races, some of the better drivers who stood out from that day. And uh, yeah, like Jack said, Jacob, I want to thank you for coming on. It was really interesting you know, picking your brain about uh, about a lot of the different scenarios and what can go down this year. One more thing. Yeah, for sure. One more thing I want to talk or I just want to bring up. Uh, I want to give, big, give a big shout out to uh, my friend Chris. He's got an Instagram account, uh, Pixeled Graphics. We can put it in the description uh, once we put this podcast out. He actually made the cover art or the cover image for our podcast. So, and it looks pretty sharp if you ask me. So, make sure to check his page out. He's got a lot of great stuff there. He's got some cool products. You know, Mother's Day is around the corner. If you got to get your mom something for Mother's Day, he's your guy. So, definitely check that out. Uh, but aside from that, that's going to do it for today for our second episode of Spiked. Uh, also, just wanted, in. I just wanted Hopefully, to mention one, one more yeah, thing. Um, I, we're planning to do a uh, live stream for the draft. Um, we're going to have some some fun stuff going on. We might even have like uh, a competition where we're all kind of, um, you know, doing our own mock drafts and uh, seeing who who gets the most picks. So that'll be going on on Thursday um, when the draft is happening. So definitely look out for that. That'll be live streamed on the, uh, I don't know. I think it'll be, would it be on the Instagram page or YouTube? Um, yeah, YouTube would make yeah, more yeah. sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so just go to the uh, the Overline Sports YouTube channel. We can link it in the description and uh, check that out while you're while you're watching the draft to see uh, to have a little yeah. more fun with it. So yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, congrats and thanks. And uh, we'll hope you'll tune in for episode three. See ya.